Suffolk Pod Show is produced and managed by podtalk.co.uk. I'm Mark Mason. And I'm Susanna Hornby. Episode 33. Susanna talks to Graham Ellis, Principal of Brooks UK and former Scottish Rugby International. Welcome, Graham. It's wonderful to have you here on the Suffolk Pod Show. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Susanna. Thank you for inviting me. We've been after you for quite a while, so we've finally got you. (laughs) Okay. Now. Glad to oblige. (laughs) There's so much to talk about here, but from Scottish international rugby player to now principal yep. of Brooks UK. That's quite a yep. journey, isn't it? And, and and I think before we talk any about that, could you tell us where it all began and where you first fell in love with rugby? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm from a place called Hoyk, which is in the uh, Scottish borders. And uh, uh, if anybody knows that area, you'll know that, um, you know, it's just famous for rugby. Um, certainly, I think the year that I grew up, you know, 70s, 80s, even more so. I think life has changed a great deal since then. So mm. there's more interest. But I, I just remember, I think it was true when I was growing up that yeah, as a young lad, he had a choice of interest. He could I, either play rugby or he got a horse. You know, that, that was the kind of <laughs> things you could do. And I, I was a bit frightened. of ho- I was a bit scared of horses. So I didn't really have much of a choice at all. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I can remember as a really young lad with my best friend, Derek, we went up, the, we had the, the, we're called the park, and there was about four or five sort of rugby pitches up there. Mm. And uh, he, I think it was his uncle from a really young age taking us up and just getting a ball out. And we were playing from such a young age. You know, mm. it wasn't organised, but we were just, you know, and <laughs> because I think Hoyt was such a successful team, I, I don't know, uh, people have probably forgotten this, but then in the 70s and 80s, they won the first division almost every year and they had mm. an amazing amount of Scottish internationals that had British Lions and for a town of about 15,000, it was incredible, you know, wow. so it was kind of in the blood rugby, I would mm. say, and it was just a real passion for the, the town and, you know, the Scottish borders. Mm. It's in your yeah. blood, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so early influences, I mean, you must have been watching the game from a young age too. I was incredibly lucky. My PE teacher was Bill McLaren. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Bill McLaren, but he, he was referred to as the sort of voice of rugby. <laughs> yes. and. Uh, he was an amazing influence uh, on me. He was our PE teacher, mm. and of course, he was the commentator and all the big internationals. Mm. He was a very famous person in the town and, and throughout the world, really, mm. you know. And um, he was just the person that he would have leagues going for year 10, 11 uh, boys at that time, you know, and for like, four primary schools. So, mm. There was cost about thirty boys playing in each school, so for a small school, you know, had and parents. He just got parents involved, the referee, mm. and mm. it was just. And for him to be a teacher, I mean, not only did he inspire me to rugby, but he inspired me to become a PE teacher. That was what I was before oh, principal. Okay. So, I just as soon as I had him as a teacher, I thought this is what I want to do. I want to be a PE teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he was quite strict. He was, he's from a kind of, he did his training in the, after the war in the military. So he was quite a, a authoritarian type figure, but mm. in a very kind way as well, mm. you know. So he just had a great way with teaching and really passionate about sp- any sport, really, you know, not just rugby, but he inspired hundreds and hundreds of young people in Hoyt, that's for sure. Mm. And, um, I think he inspired loads of people by his voice in his, mm. his commentary was superb, you know, so I was very lucky. His commentary was, um, for a better word, awesome. 
He had so many wonderful metaphors, <laughs> well, and he's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had these kind of funny phrases, didn't he, that, <laughs> that entertained. And it, he could be somebody who had not even a like for rugby, but if you try to listen to him, you think, this is great. And he, he really enthused and inspired mm-hmm. many non, non-rugby non people, I think. God, how lucky to have known yeah. him so well as well. Oh, yeah. Well, it was great because not only did I know him as a, a young lad, but when I went to P College in Glasgow, and he would, I would come back and he would be a sort of mentor for me. I remember going to speak to him and, and interview him for a project and, and him asking advice. And I actually went up to help him as well as a, a trainee P student. So I, I was so lucky to, mm-hmm. to be involved and to have his influence in many different, uh, sort of stages of my life. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We're really blessed, Very blessed with so. him. Yeah. Now you played. Uh, for Scotland, you have caps, and you played in 1997, yes. I think it was, for the Five That's Nations. That's correct. That's <laughs> right. The old Five Nations. That's how old they are. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them well. They weren't that yeah, long ago. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but you say you played yeah. later in your career. I played. I mean, I played from as early as I can remember. But I retired about when I was 31, 32, mm. I think. Okay. So yeah, so I had a, a full career. That's for sure. You mm. know. So um, yeah. And some ups and downs within that career. Yeah, mm. definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I was just, I just wanted to play for Scott. I wanted to get a cap. I wanted to play international rugby from mm. um, from as young as I can remember. You know, that, that was my dream and that was my drive, really, in my life for a long time, you know. And, yeah, it took a long time. I didn't get capped. I think it was 31. I can't remember now. I think it was 31. So <laughs> I was right at the end. So I, I kept going, you know. I was close a few times. And then, I mean, I remember once, uh, a couple of years, ninety-five. I was on the bench and and I ripped my bicep muscle at training. You know, I think, I think it was Doddy Weir ran into me or something, and so <laughs> I was thwarted, sort of thing, at the last minute. You know, but I then I, I kept going, and I was lucky enough to to, to get a chance in ninety-seven. Mm. So yeah. I'm glad I hung in there. Yeah, <laughs> we are too. And in Europe, yeah. you played hooker. I was hooker. Yeah, mm. yeah, for my sins, and mm. uh, I, I was always a hooker. It's like. This is a true story. When you're on hike, Bill McLaren, when you first came into primary six or sort of 10 year old, they would line you up in the hall, mm-hmm. look at you and think, right, you're a scrum half, <laughs> you're a winger, <laughs> looked at me and said, mm, you're a hooker. So that was it. And that's the true, that Doomed. is a true story. And everybody, I know a, a lot of other people changed, but I just stuck with it. I don't know why, you know, mm. but uh, I just enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't the most naturally talented player. I wasn't like a Gregor Townsend, Tony Stanger that was fast. Were you I solid? <laughs> I was, I was, no, I wasn't. I was no. really skinny when I was young. That's the thing, you know, despite if you speak to my mum, my mum's brilliant and she was, she laughed because she couldn't understand how thin I was because I ate three times as much as anybody else. I mean, I had a huge appetite, you know, and she mm. would, yeah, she was amazing because she just looked after me and my dad, obviously, but they, they, they really looked after myself and sister and fed us really well and got healthy food and all that. And, but it took me a while. I think it was my, my metabolism was very high. So it took me a while. I mean, I, I was really quite light up until possibly 20s. And then suddenly when, when I really got into serious weight training, that's mm. when, I, when I put it on. So I was very light initially. And then at the end of my career, I was actually thought about as being quite big. And I was up to about 17 stone. Um, it just, for me, my, I think my um, success, if you like, came through hard work rather than natural talent. Mm. That's what and, and Which is great. You know, I think I'm, you know, sometimes when you work hard for something, it's even more rewarding, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, um, Proves the point yeah, too, but, if you do work hard, you can achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is the most important thing for success, I think, in anything is just resilience and working really hard, doing the right 
this type of training, whatever it is, you've got to get the right stuff, but you, you need to be dedicated, that's mm. for sure. And ride the, the down, you know, ride over the downs and, and make sure that you keep going, basically. Yeah. Now, yeah. as a hooker, you rely very much on the men around you. And you had the Brewster Absolutely. brothers. Is that right? The Brewster as well. <laughs> uh, if anybody is listening to this and knows the Brewster brothers, Dave and Alex, they will have a chuckle because these two are farmers from, you know, sort of, West Lothian, just outside Edinburgh. Right. They were they were two tough guys, that's for sure. I was a young P teacher, maybe twenty two, <laughs> something like that, coming to Stu Mail, and I was thrown into this rugby team that was, you know, some older people remember the Calders and the Scots and the Brewsters. They were all, it's all bro- I don't know why they all were brothers, you know. Yeah. And it was full of international players, which is incredible. I mean, I remember in '89 at Stumail, we had the British Lions captain, yeah. Finlay Calder, uh-huh. and we had the Scottish captain, Garlic Brewster, in the same team. It's like <laughs> the same club. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. But Alex and Dave were, I remember playing Melrose, I think it was, in what was a bit of came you know, in those days it was it was quite different from nowadays with the um, the video refs and the touch judges kind of watch the game. It was mm. it was a tougher game in those days, I think. And I'm really glad it's changed actually. But you know, you have to watch watch what you're doing. And anyway, Melrose is always a tough game. But they just looked I have been a young hooker down there. They they just looked after me. You know, if anybody tried to mess with me, these these two just stepped forward and, and sorted things out. <laughs> <laughs> the booster bouncers almost. <laughs> the boosters. They were like bouncers, the booster bouncers, I would call them, to be honest. But they, they were they were and then lovely people, but you know that hard as nails on the pitch, but yeah. um yeah. they were really nice guys, yeah. you know, and uh, they were just great to to be in the team, that's for sure. Yeah. Now yeah. can we talk about that ninety seven Five Nations because mm. I'm not quite sure where you came in the end, but um, you beat Ireland. Um, we beat Ireland. We <laughs> weren't last, that's for sure. No, we did all right. We did we did well against Ireland, and yeah. uh, we had a. It's always hard when you play England and France away. Although Scotland did great this year to win it, and that was amazing. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Incredible to do that in the same season, but you know it's not easy to. I mean, we're a small nation, you know, and um, these are big nations, so it's always it's always tough, but. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. It was great to play, but first of all, I think Wales was my first game. It was absolutely amazing to have spent your all your life wanting to do one thing and then doing it and actually experience just the the atmosphere and the noise. It was a noise that knocked me out. Mm. And played in a few big games, but you've got yeah. sixty five thousand, you know, roaring. When you when we scored a try against Wales, I remember just the noise. It just it was deafening. I thought, wow, but. Um, <laughs> But we lost that one, so it was even better against Ireland because we won. So. <laughs> were you at Murrayfield when you beat them then? We were. Yeah. yeah we mm. were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a great, great day. And I can, I've got some memory. It's hard because games just goes up in a flash a lot, but I've got some recollections of that, you know. And, uh, it was it was a good game, that's for yeah. sure. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about rugby before we move on, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. Go for it. As a hooker, you take on. Your adversary is the opposite number, which is the hooker. Who, in your yeah. case, in your in your game, and when you were playing, who was your most, who was your toughest adversary? Well, actually, I didn't play against them, but I, I mean, I watched them. I was a rugby fanatic, so mm. I, you know, I, I watched as many you know, watch and learn. And a guy called Phil Cairns from Australia was a a kind of new age hook. You know, mm. a lot of people 
thought Sean Fitzpatrick was good, but I thought Phil Kearns was a bit was bigger, you know, and mm. um, the Australia were very successful in the nineties, and then you know, sort of David Campese, etc. Yes, uh, Michael Liner, amazing players, but Phil Kearns was like he was a big guy, and not only big, but he was very athletic, you know, and he was he was a bit like a Keith Woods. Remember Keith Woods? Yes, yes, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I'd played against Keith Woods. He was just a bit later, but anyway, um, he was injured that day. Um, that we played them anyway, but um, Phil Kearns was was the the all round. Uh, I would say more almost like a modern day hooker. You yeah. know, very very just had the ball. He got the ball a lot. You know, he carried the ball and he yeah. he was very devastating and very obviously strong in the scrum as well mm. and, and uh, just very athletic and. He just saw him a lot on the ball, you know, which is a great sign. So, but I always look to him as a as a real sort of model player. Yeah, wonderful, yeah, interesting, fantastic. So, when you retired, you came out of the game. What happened next? Well, I retired. I was very lucky because it was really quite exciting time. Because when I played for Scotland, that was when the game turned, you know, sort of professional. It had mm. been amateur before that, so I was right at the crossover between amateur rugby and professional rugby. And it was that time where it was crossing over and there was, there was a lot of politics in it then. You know, mm. it, was, it was a crazy time in many ways because mm. I think the, it was called the SRU then, the Scottish Rugby Union, the RFU, they were trying to hang on to the amateur game, you know, and they would mm. talk to the, the group of players and say, oh, you've got to be stay amateur until, you know, things all develop. And then remember, I forget the names, a guy came up from England to talk to us, a group of players who wanted to set up a sort of, different league a professional league and mm. you know take us out of the SRU so th- th- there, was a, there was a lot happening then there was a lot of political stuff going on with rugby you know yeah. and, uh, however it was good because there's no I think the the northern hemisphere countries were definitely wanting to hold off a bit more amateur and then suddenly Australia New Zealand South Africa decided to turn professional overnight and then that was it the floodgates opened and mm. England, Scotland, Wales, France, they were to follow suit, you know. So suddenly we were, they had to organise themselves. I don't think they were prepared, you know, because it just happened mm. so quickly. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, I was getting offered a contract to become a professional rugby player, which was like, uh, you know, this is like, you know, sort of heaven because mm. I got a chance to do something that I love and actually get paid for it at the same time, you know. So I was very lucky. My school, Stuart's Melbourne College principal said, look, we'll give you, I think it was two and a half years off, you know, so leave of absence because I was about 30 at that point and realizing that you know I haven't got I didn't want to give up a really good job and and um you know, uh, so they gave me a leave of absence, which was great. So I got to to leave my job and go back to. So once I finished playing, I went back to be a teacher at Stuart's Melville, which mm. was which was good. So mm. was, which was a rugby school, you know. Yeah, it's true. I've forgotten about that because all rugby players in those days had proper jobs. We did. We that was it, you know, and it was amazing, you know, and that in many ways it was great fun. That I think. From from the traditionalists, I think they enjoyed that. You know, you just turned up on the on the. It used to be the Thursday, then it came to the Wednesday. You'd get come off on the Wednesday, and then go and join the squad and get ready for the Saturday. That was a great thing. You had people from all walks of life yeah. playing in the same team, which was amazing. Yeah. You know, and you know, and the good thing about the supporters, a lot of them went along, and you know, they would be supporting their sort of workmates. You know, that yeah. they worked alongside. Yeah. But that that all changed yeah. in about I think it was ninety five or six it turned. Right. So yeah, it's all changed now. Yeah, but I, I remember. Funny when it went professional, everybody thought everybody's going to get a lot better. But I think they took a while to adapt to how to train us effectively. You know, I think they, they thought, right, we've got them every day, we'll train them really hard. So they they kind of trained us a bit too hard. And a lot of players got injured, and a lot of a lot of good players didn't enjoy the the, the whole mind, the whole 
lifestyle. You know, they, they loved playing rugby as a sort of pastime, but when it was their training twice a day, every day. So a lot of performances actually dropped, ironically, you know, because of the overtraining, I think, and because of the, the, the mental aspect of adapting to being a professional, you know. And so it took a while. But I think nowadays, it's obviously, that's all changed now. And, I, you know, I remember oh, maybe about even 12 years ago now, I went in to, to observe the Scottish team preparing for the World Cup. And, it, it, you know, it was really nice to see at that point that, that you know, they got it right. They had... Mm. They, they had a huge team of coaches that were that were. I mean, it's amazing what what um, support these top players get now. You know, it's really good to see that it's it's properly organised and the players are well looked after in all aspects of their game. You know, so mm. yeah, that mm. we were a bit different. We were the guinea pigs, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> you Scottish lot. Yeah. We did. We were. Yeah. It was always so exciting watching Scotland because, gosh, yeah. you've had some teams over the years. I mean, actually, I mean, yeah. I, I'm harping back again now, but you yeah. played with Scott Hastings, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, I knew him really Another well brother of a brother. <laughs> Sorry. Another, yeah, Gavin. Yeah, I, I knew Scott better, but yeah, absolutely, mm. I played with Scott, and he, he was a. A remarkable guy and a remarkable player, you know, very athletic, you know, mm. and a fantastic, a fantastic mindset. He was just so positive. I think that was the big thing, Scott. So positive, brought a lot of confidence to yeah. the. I remember watching team. him play. Yeah. He just looked so focused. Nothing would move yeah. his mind. It looked like that anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he had, I think him and his brother they had, they had belief. That's what they brought to Scotland. You know, they were mm. good players and they, they brought a lot of belief. You know, they knew. You know that they had ability, and 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 that brought confidence. You know, and that's so important in anything, isn't it? And that confidence, yeah. And they were very much part of um, because Scotland did win the Five Nations in '99, and that was the last Five Nations. So there's something I in know. that. <laughs> there's something in that. Absolutely, we'll we'll claim victory there, won't we? Absolutely. We won <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You finished at the age of 31, as you say, and you went back yeah, to yeah. teach um, at, the, co at mm -hmm. the college. And how long were yeah. you there for? Because you oh, moved here. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. it was over mm -hmm. 10 years, definitely. Right. Okay. Yeah, I stayed mm -hmm. there for a while and mm -hmm. uh, got involved a little bit with coaching the Stuart's Mill FP team, which was quite exciting. It's quite good to get to put my hand in there and do a little bit of support there, you know. And, um, yeah, and obviously the school. I mean, the school was rugby mad. It had over thirty rugby teams on a Saturday morning. Good so grief! Uh, it was it was it's the biggest independent school in Scotland. So it had a lot of rugby teams. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, and has produced many players, as you said. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's been been yeah. It's, it's has produced the really great players in the past. That's for sure. Now, at some point, you had a calling to Suffolk. What happened? <laughs> yes. I met a lady, ah, an amazing lady, actually. Okay. So it was, um, she was based down here. So, yeah, yeah, it was difficult because, you know, um, I was, I had to make a decision and uh, I thought, right, I'm at a great school, but I'd been at it for a long time. I just felt professionally as a teacher, it'd be good to get a move. It's one of these schools that you, you could stay for the whole of your career, you know, mm -hmm. which would have been great. But I just felt I was ready for, for the change. So I decided to come down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And love, of course, yeah. love brought well, you down. Well, it was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. Very, I've been lucky. I've been well looked after by my mum and definitely by Cleetha, my wife. I'm <laughs> not complaining, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure not. Yeah. Um, and no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you packed your bags. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah. And that was it. And you came down to, where, where did, what happened when you came to Suffolk? Obviously, you, did you have a job before you moved or did I, you just come I here? I did and get a job. Mm. I got a job at um, Castle Manor, a 
Academy, which is in Haverhill, and I hadn't even heard of Haverhill or I knew I knew sort of Cambridge. I heard of Cambridge, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was a kind of opposite school to Shumel. It was a state school. Um, yeah, a completely different school, you mm. know, in the state sector. So, but mm. uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it, though. I mean, you know, I didn't have any rugby there. Never done rugby. Didn't have any posts or anything. Good grief. And, uh, yeah. I didn't play rugby, you know, but the the kids were great, and I was very lucky. Just when I joined, the RFU decided to, I forget the name that, they called it a programme. It was They wanted to get rugby into non-rugby playing schools, you know, so they they, they offered um, a finance sort of thing, a, a package for mm. schools to take up and you got money to bring in the coaches, you got money to design rugby shirts and just support, you know. So I snapped this up and, yeah. and then... By the end of it, rugby was, you know, I remember the, I think it was the assistant head teacher saying, you know, Graham, you're doing a great job, but you need to get posts. So I haven't got any rugby posts. I said, you haven't looked up the top field, have you? And he turned around and there was posts. And we actually got the posts from a neighbouring school because I knew the grounds were, we shouldn't have got them, but they weren't using them. So I said, look, go and get them. So I thought it was that kind of thing. You had to kind of beg, steal and borrow to get things going, you know. <laughs> But, you know, we had, we just, it was amazing. I remember the sixth form, you know, these boys, only had 10 of them, but played 10 aside, but they, they, these boys had never played, but they just absolutely loved it. And, mm. the, and not only did they love the game, but I think more so they just loved the company of each other. And just, you know, that, I don't know what, it's like all sport, but I think rugby is very special, the camaraderie and just the, I don't know, it's just the bonding, you know, mm. in the team. And they, they, I remember these boys as if it was yesterday. They, they were an amazing set of six one boys. They were all, all no real rugby. Only one of them, one two of them are rugby background, so they never played. But they just loved it and they loved learning. And we just had a, a really good time, you yeah. know. And um, and did you get them to a competitive level? Yeah, we played some tournaments. You know, we didn't mm. play any big tournaments, but we certainly played, and you know, got some great memories of them going. They hadn't played before, you know, so we worked hard in prep preparation and got them ready. But they just loved it, and they, they you know, they couldn't get enough of it, really. You know, which yeah. is which is great. And, uh, yeah. I met I met one of them actually, and I shop a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. we went, I, I, I talked to him for about twenty minutes. We were just <laughs> laughing and remembering sort of recollections of all the funny moments. You know, and yeah. it was just it was just great, and it just. It was funny because I didn't recognise him because he'd, he'd actually grown a beard at this point. So he just said, "Ah, oh, Mr. Ellis, do you not remember me? It's such and such. You know? I was like, oh, I didn't recognise you. I think he was even married and everything at that point. But anyway, but, um, uh, you know, it was really, really just just great, great memories. And, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, I think sport is such a great thing for developing young people. It, it doesn't really matter the sport. It's the development of the young person. that they, they learn so many life and social skills in there, you know, and yeah. these are absolutely essential, aren't they? Yeah, no, they are. They yeah. certainly are. Brooks UK is an independent boarding yeah. and day school, and you're just outside yeah. Bury St Edmunds. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. from what yeah. I've seen, I mean, you're going to tell us all about it, but it, it, it yeah. seems unique. Its aura is very open and inclusive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think um, I think that's the thing that that people really see when they come to visit. You know, um, I think we've got a very unique sort of climate and culture. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's the essence of the school. It's mm-hmm. like the it's like the water in the fish tank. You know, when you look at it, you don't really see it, but it's actually the most important thing. You know, you just get it's the feeling you get, and I absolutely love it when sort of visitors come and prospective parents, and every single time they come and we give them a tour of the school. 
the thing they say is they'll like the feel of the school, mm. you know, that, uh, you know, and we can call it the sort of brick spirit, you know, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and I've taught in a lot of school. I think it's just the fact that it's not, we're not a traditional independent school. We're warm. It's a warm, friendly, caring, sort of nurturing family atmosphere, you know, and it just produces really, first of all, relaxed children and, they seem to be happy, you know. I, I know that, you know, like we have clubs at the end of school day and it's sometimes hard to get the kids to go home, you know. It's like the kids, <laughs> they don't want to go home, you know, because they all stay and they all stay and they all, you know, it's just the yeah. kids are happy, you know, yeah. and I've, I've taught in a lot of places and it's hard to put your finger on it in many ways, but it's definitely the culture and, and the climate we have and that I think that's just down to, it's always been like that, you know, even when I joined and mm. we've really tried uh, staff and parent, everybody buys into that so i think that's the most unique part of what we do i think because of that because the children are flourishing you can really reach the potential you know in all areas yeah. you know academically obviously but in other areas as well and no, i mean it, it's so important for children to feel that it's almost like being in, a, in your other family going to a school like that i can imagine being with your exactly. other family and you feel it is you don't yeah. even th- have to think about feeling safe secure you're no, you just no, all of that no. is there automatically so yeah, you're just yeah there to exactly. live and experience yeah. it. How lovely. Yeah. yeah. And it's really funny, you know, I just thinking about this just has come to me that we often get kids moving from other schools. And I think it's because when you work there every day, you forget what that, that it's not every school's like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we've had it with some students that have joined us in, in, in the last year and uh, they've come, they've not been so happy. And then the parents now are almost, some of them are almost in tears to say how thankful they are because their son or daughter's come along and been had an experience in the past where it's not been so positive for them. The environment's not been so good. And mm. you know, the parents are just so grateful that their son or daughter is now flourishing and just yeah. settled in. You know, they, they seem to settle in from day one because they're a small school. Mm. All our students just like, if we get a new student, they're like, <laughs> they get excited. You know, <laughs> yeah. They're really welcoming. Yeah. It's a big thing if yeah. we get some new students coming in, which is wonderful. That's something that's so we, we definitely got something really unique and special you in do. terms of our, yeah. our atmosphere. Yeah, you do. I mean, it, it's quite clear. I mean, you know, the children are nice to each other. The staff yeah. obviously just mix and gel well with the kids. The whole thing works. It's a balance. Yeah. Is it a balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's a balance. It's, it's, it's everywhere. I, I, you know, we talk about community. It's a it's a community. Even the parents. You know, we've got. Mm amazing parents that volunteer for us and they could not be kinder mm. you know our pta is amazing and i think it's just it's almost it's almost like snowballs you know people get into it and feel it and they want to you know they want to contribute type thing mm. they want to be part of it you know and that that sort of makes it even better you know i think it's relationships i think that's the big thing that's, that, that, that's the key yeah. to anything in life is it and i think because we're we have small class size we don't go over 14 in our classes which is kind of half the size of a lot of classes you know it's mm-hmm. you can really get that depth and I think that's a key word that we, mm. we talk about a lot at Brooks is you get that depth of relationship you know it's having taught in massive schools you know the best will in the world when you're teaching 30 kids and you've got you're teaching two or three hundred in a week you know you can't really get to know the children you, mm. you do your best but as you get to know them as students and teach them but at our school you get to know them Mm. as people young people really well and 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 what their interests are what they like you know their ins and outs of them and that that's the key to to teaching isn't it got to have the it's like the you know the science and art it's the art of teaching isn't it being 
knowing the child and how to react, you know, because they're, you know, children are grown up, uh, they, they can be different from one minute to the next or one mm. day to the next, you know, and just getting to know them and knowing them as young people, that makes all the difference. There's an issue you can talk about, whatever you're talking about, you can bring in things that you know about them. It can be their dog or it can be their, yeah. their interest, you yeah. know, it can be their likes, yeah. you know, and yeah. I have, you know, it's amazing that uh, I always try and go in the playground and I'm not teaching as much now, so I want to try and get more kids. So just, just having conversations with them is that is one of the best things in teaching is to get that to get the knowledge of it. and they they know that you're interested in them and you care about them and there was a famous quote once from given that you know you can only be a good teacher if you really, really love your kids you know love the kids you know <laughs> it was from someday in, in ancient greece it, was, it wasn't like someday a few years ago it was like this has been from, <laughs> from millennia this has been the key to good teaching is actually yeah. liking the kids and and really caring deeply about them and, and wanting to help them not not just to be better at english or pe but actually to be good people you know yeah. that is the crux of it you know and that's what i think we we strive at Brooks to produce good people and then you know, the good grades kind of uh, happens. A lot of work, but it's also, if you've got kids flourishing and happy and relaxed, they, they're much more likely to reach their potential academically. You know? right. So, yeah. You have um, children, local children because you're a day school, but you also, yeah, yeah. you're an international school. You've got children from all over the world. We do. It's mm. amazing. And that, that's something I love because when I first joined uh, Brooks UK, it was actually um, Cherry Tree's called a very famous prep school called Cherry Tree, very popular yeah. and a wonderful school. And uh, But then Brooks took over and uh, they brought on this next dimension, which was the international dimension, that global education. Mm. And um, they were, it's great. I love it. I mean, I love the, you know, the Brooks spirit from the kind of coming from the foundations of cherry trees to, and also mixing that with uh, the sort of combo with the international students. And, um, you know, we had students from all around the world. I remember we, we've got a school in uh, Petersburg in Russia. They brought over 23 students for a term. And Wow. We all thought we all thought they were going to be Russian, but they were actually from seventeen different countries. They were all Good grief. Uh, sort of diplomatic <laughs> children. So and it, it just came for a half right. a term, and you know they were amazing. And they that that was before we would open. Uh, we just opened the boarding house, so we didn't have a lot of borders in. So it just gave us a flavour of what this global education actually is in practice. You know, mm. and it was amazing. It just blew our minds away, and, and our local kids thought this was brilliant. You know, and. And that was about three years ago. And still some of our kids are in contact with these children because mm. of social media now. You know, they're still they're still friends, you know. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them didn't want to go back, actually. They really <laughs> oh. enjoyed being with us. And we had some great times. We did a lot of cross-cultural nights and dinners and talent shows and sports things. Mm. And we just had some amazing times, you know, and it gave us a real flavour of what was going to come. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah. I, I, I just have a great passion for for that sort of global type education where, yeah. where you've got international borders, yeah. Yeah, but it's so good for the children. They get to mix uh, and they learn that cultural balance so early. On. I mean, it's automatic to ch- kids anyway, but it's it, it, it's so good for them. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you take a step back and look at the world at the moment, you know, we need to have people around the world understanding each other and tolerating each other and learning from each other and and. and and let, you know, listening to different perspectives, you know, that, the world yeah. is crying out for that. You know, yeah. as a sort of human race, we need it. So I think this is this is the greatest experience for for both the international students and also the locals. You know, mixing and and just learning together and in some in the boarding house living together. You know, with our local 
orders and, and then going in the classroom during the day and just getting that cultural mix and the, you know there's different perspectives is it's great you know these kids can they're they're see they're, they're able they're opening their eyes if you like to yeah. see because these a lot of these children see the world in different ways you know and that's so important yeah. for anybody in terms of personal growth you know to look at the world in different ways and, and our kids are learning that not from a textbook not not sitting <laughs> no. in, or from a teacher saying this is what you have to do you know mm. they're actually learning it by interacting they don't even know it you know half yeah. the time you know and our teachers are just enthused you know that's um, fantastic when when you have that mix and it just brings i call it a buzz it's like a it's hard to actually put it into words you know to, mm. to uh, in last term it was great with loads of orders last term and it was wonderful there's the buzz in the lunch hall and just around the school you know and in the playground although it's pandemic and there's loads of bubble groups and stuff you know <laughs> just just going out as a as a principal and standing watching and seeing these kids you know that just doing things they hadn't done before like they were all suddenly everybody wanted to play basketball you know so they were all playing basketball you know <laughs> girls and boys you know yeah. it's like that that, you know, brought a, a buzz and, a, and an, I would say an energy to the school, you know, and a different dimension. And I think it's that ability to to see things differently, yeah. which is vital to the to the youngster, but also to the world, I think. Yeah. yeah. Vital to them as they grow up and uh, go on in life. Yeah, absolutely. And we do hope. It's all about sowing seeds, isn't it? We do. We, we think that we have sown both. Well, we're pretty sure we've sown loads of seeds in these young people's oh. hearts and minds, if you like, and they they're going to go out and, and just see things from a different perspective, you yeah. know, and, and, which is wonderful. And then we've still got, I mean, they've got friendship, I and mean, some one of the lads is going to come over, I think, in the summer because unfortunately some of our boarders couldn't come back after Christmas. We were yeah, devastated because yeah. obviously the pandemic. So it's like, but they're all still communicating in social media. So I think one of the lads is going to come over in the summer. He's desperate to come back, you know, <laughs> but he's not allowed. Anymore. So we're hoping with it. <laughs> The easing of the lockdown that, that he's going to be able to come back and visit. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. get him back. Oh, it'll be lovely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I often hear schools being referred to, oh, that's an academic school, that's an art school, that's a, yeah, a sporting yeah. school. Where do you position, Brooks? Yeah. I think we're kind of all-rounder, inclusive environment school, mm-hmm. I would say. You know, I mean, we, we don't have an entrance exam, you know, so we're we're very much open for all ability levels. And uh, we basically take students from, from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. And we believe that everybody's talent, every young person's talent in their own way. You know, yeah. we, do, we do have, obviously, the scholarship side where we've got, you know, we've got academic scholars, sporting, we've got tennis, we've had a, a, a girl that was a rugby scholar, which is fantastic. I was really yeah. pleased about that. You know, yeah. athletics, table tennis, you know, we've had art scholars and one of them won the, the ISA, the Independent School Association, national competition. We just couldn't believe it two wow. years ago. It was like, right. we're a, a small school and about 500 schools in the organisation. We got the national champion, which we were very proud oh, of. Well so done. Music's very big at Brooks. We've got a wonderful teacher who, uh, you know, and we've got music scholars and we've also got a, a good uh, citizens uh, scholarship which is fantastic so that was a new one that we put in their ethos of um all-rounder and being good people that we wanted to i don't think any other school's got this it's a good citizen scholarship so mm. we can take kids in that are just good people you know yeah. and i've got good resume with uh background in helping others if you like yeah. you know so we have that so we're really keen to put that on so it's not just 
like individual talent. It's actually personal stuff as well. Yeah. You know, so we, we, we added that in there. So mm. that, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That brings me on nicely. You know, it is all about that, that child and that's personality and how it will fit yeah. with the other kids around it. I mean, as principal, you must bring so many um, positive things to the school straight from the rugby pitch. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've got to say, as I said to you, so I, I'm a great, I mean, I think anything in life teaches you, but I think sport, I mean, obviously I'm very biased, but towards rugby, I think, you know, you learn life through, through playing a sport in rugby, you know, and, mm. um, you know, it's, I think for me, definitely the positive attitude and energy that I have, I think, and the resilience were, were what I learned hugely from rugby, you know, that, as I explained earlier, you know, if you're going to be successful at anything, in sport, you, you, you have to be positive. You've got to have energy. You've got to have drive, inner drive, but you've also got to be resilient. You're going to have ups and downs. I mean, I was injured to at least twice for over a year where I couldn't play. Quite not very bad injuries, so I had to come back, you know. So it's that ability to stay positive, and I think that's helped me a lot during the last 12 months, if I'm being honest. You know, <laughs> the pandemic has been challenging. Sure. You, know, you, yes. you, you, had to, you had to have energy, you had to stay positive, but you had to be resilient as well. You know, mm. so. And I, I think the other thing is that you learn firsthand about the, the importance that everybody wants to be successful in life, everybody wants to win, but there's less people want as, that, are, that want to prepare for success and prepare to win and it's that preparation that's the key thing you know mm-hmm. anything in life that if you're going to be successful you need to prepare really well you know so I think that's what I did a lot in rugby I trained really hard and I brought in my own dietitian got my own biomechanics coach my, my, my own to, to try and improve myself and I think mm. it's, it's that blue sky out of the box thinking you know and really prepare well in education for success. And a lot of the things I've described above, you know, it doesn't just happen. You know, the the great climate and culture in the school, it doesn't just happen. You have to create it, you know, mm. and that's where the, the hard preparation comes in and getting, getting others enthused in that as well. Preparing for success is a big one that I learned. Yeah. I mean, that is just complete advice right there. You cannot be great yeah. without working no. quite hard to be so. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Mm. And it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And happy too. You know, it's all about being happy. Yeah, absolutely. Having joy. Absolutely. Mm. It's so important in life. You know, I think a lot of us, and it's it's, it's vital. I think it comes with that word energy is a big thing for me, having positive inner energy, you know, that full of of happiness and joy if it's not you know if you go in education you're not happy and got joy you're not going to get very far you know no, you are you, not you know and the, the, the greatest thing about teaching is that you can be in the lousiest mood on a monday morning you know had a bad weekend mm-hmm. or your, your daughter's been up or something's happened you know you're, you're exhausted but you go in in front of a, a school an assembly or you go into a class you haven't you can't go in all grumpy you know you, you have to no, have you energy can't. you have to uh... you've got to dig deep and you've got to You've got yeah. to have that joy. As you said, joy is a great word. You've got yeah. to have that enthusiasm and that fun, you know, and that, that. you've got to energize them, haven't you? Because yeah. you know, that's your job. It's your yeah. job is to get them enthused in education and to, to, to learn. You know, I, I love going in, uh, through some of the classes. I've got three, threes and fours. I love all the classes at Brooks, but the, the year three and four are just, um, they're just great little ones. And well, they're so rewarding, the, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. I, I, I always pass through. I always pass through their classroom on the way to lunch hall, and I always say, 
what is going on type thing. They're all, at the moment, have to have their lunch in the classroom because of the bubble groups, you know. So they're all yeah. sitting munching away with a teacher. <laughs> and I say, what is going on here? And they all shout back, we're all happy, Mr. Ellis. And I said, you're not in a holiday camp. This is not a holiday camp, you know, in a, in a, in a joking way, you know. And I say, look, you're f-. I said, I, I said to the teacher, they've made these kids way too happy, you know. Uh, Got to calm them way, down now. Thanks, Mr. Ellis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, summer term yeah. is about to start. Are the children all coming yeah. back? They're all back. We had them all back for a few weeks uh, before the at the end of the spring term. So of course, okay. yeah, well, that yeah. was great. Yeah, so everybody's back, and uh, the rules are kind of the same, to be honest. But um, yeah, they're all back. That three weeks made a difference. You know, I think if I'm being honest, everybody was by the end of the spring term, everybody was tired and frustrated. Really, you know, we'd gone from. Uh, remote learning and having key worker children in school. So teachers were, were doing two jobs, really, you know, and yeah. uh, students, had, had, it was tough. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a normal term, you know, it was a different term. I think we did really well. I was really proud of the school, our remote learning. We got some great feedback. Um, our teachers were outstanding in, in the yeah. The effort they put in and for the dedication they showed to, because we, 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 we delivered to our kids with quite a lot in school, actually, mm. key worker children and at home. So we, we, we worked them both together at the same time. We didn't sort of teach oh, them separately. So, yeah. so, so, so we got that. So they were actually in their class and that, that's a, that was a big challenge, a big, you know, sort of logistical challenge. And that took a big team effort. Non-teaching staff too. They were amazing with the tech and just the yeah. admin support. We've got, Great non-teaching staff at Brooks, and they they're really vital to our support um, to support of actually educating the kids. You know, we got we, I think we got it really right, and and um, it was wonderful to to be able to to keep the classes, the, the just the relationships going. You know, through Google, through the Zoom, through the sort of Google meetings that we had with the kids, they saw each other every, every day for a few times, and that was important. But at the end of the term, everybody was done. So I think everybody needed this holiday to just to really just take a break and have a bit of a rest. You know, and I think next term we're all looking forward to a kind of normal. It's going to feel like more of a rhythm and more structure, more routine for the summer term. So we're all yeah. looking forward to that. For no, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Just to touch on the last bit of that bit, I understand that you're getting in extra teaching assistance. Is that right? To try and bridge any gap? We are. That's our plan. Yeah, yeah we've Amazing. thought long and hard. I mean, I think mm. some schools have gone down the, the, the route of doing an extra week at the end of summer term. And we, we thought long and hard about that and just try to um, take a step back for a minute and just think it through, you know, and we just felt that adding a week on at the end of summer term achieves a little, but what we're going to do is just get the children back into normal term, next term back in routine, and mm-hmm. we'll not extend the term, but we'll be doing a lot of assessment. We're, we're going to be doing some standardised tests so we can see where they are, not just within the school, but nationally as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll get a really clear picture of where they are, and then in the autumn term, that'll be able to inform us about what we do. So we're going to mm-hmm bring in some additional TAs to start to Brilliant. work with the individual children that need extra provision and, and do it over the term. So it's going to be a, a longer term thing rather than doing it in one week, which I don't think you can do so well over the term because yeah. education and learning is, is something that does take a bit of time, you know, so we're, we're taking the more long period approach, if you like. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Something along those lines, anyway. That's what it is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, and uh, yeah, and uh, we just feel, and the parents were very supportive of that as well. Yeah, you know, which was great. So yeah. Well, everyone has been extraordinary teachers and supporting stuff. I can't believe it. You know, it just pr- just proves what what a great team you have. 
that's it really isn't oh, it absolutely yeah i would agree with that yeah, yeah. it's been an unprecedented period pandemic that's for sure but yeah. everybody really went so many extra miles you know and i think you know i think and our parents recognized that as well which was really good and because uh you know and i think the students because of that you know our, our students got a, a really good education despite the yeah. constraints that were put on us i think we're yeah we're seeing the benefits of that and that's not just meaning about gaining knowledge you know and it says it was about the, inter- the amount of interaction we were able to give them during the remote was was, was really the, the key yeah. i think you know keep them and well-being was a massive for us it's a massive part of our school well-being you know it's what we're about you know and we were able to just to keep in connection with kids, keep them connecting and really focus on well-being, you know, checking in with them and, and also checking in with staff. That's, we did yeah. a lot of checking yeah. with staff too to make sure that we did a survey every week just to make sure, a well-being survey with our staff every Monday morning just to see if anybody, to reach out if anybody needed some extra help or struggling a bit, you know, so we, we could respond quickly to that. So, yeah. Well, it's wonderful to hear. If I wanted, as I'm thinking about sending my child to brooks uk yeah i could be in suffolk and they can go as a day person or they can or i could be i don't know anywhere yep. in the world hong kong dubai sure. yeah. and i get and yeah. how do i go about it do i literally just approach you graham you, you go on the website and mm-hmm. there's uh, there's various links there to, to get more information depending on what you want if you just want basic information we can send you that uh, we've got recruiters around the world who deal with international students mm-hmm. in America and Asia and China and different areas of the world. So they tend to work a lot with agents and parents throughout the world, you know, and they've got loads of information they can send out, you know, and then they can they can link if they're wanting to take the next step, they can link up with us and we can then contact them and, mm-hmm. and have meetings and, and discuss. But if it's if it's local children, yeah, absolutely. We don't have open days. We're not allowed open days at the moment of because not. of the pandemic. Yeah. But uh, but we just offer tours. I mean, we've had amazing. I mean, I think Sam, our support admin teacher, was um, saying that we've had close to 110 inquiries this year it's amazing you know really we've had real success you know and uh, i think the word's getting out there our marketing team's done really great work fantastic we are getting loads i mean we can hardly keep up at the moment and keep (laughs) inquiries which is great you know it's really good news you know i've got we we but it's easier in the past you could bring them all in one day and have an open day but we're having to do it like at five o'clock when all the students have gone you know bring them in on the weekend so that's a lot of staff are happy to stay but we have tour teams and we just really show them around and keep yeah have a kind of tour call it a tour team and and really again even when the kids have got borders there even when there's not many kids around better students and parents seem to get a feel for the school you know they seem to pick that up instantly which again is really really nice to hear you know so even though the school is quite empty they still get that feeling about what what we're really about that's yeah. so important that they do. Just one more question yeah. about the boarding. Do you, do you do weekly boarding? Yeah. We do full-time boarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do weekly boarding. do uh, flexi boarding, which is really what was – we couldn't at the moment, obviously, with, uh, with the pandemic. We can't do that. But it was very popular before the pandemic that – very handy for parents, you know. They, Extremely. If, if they're going away for the weekend or they're going away for an evening, they can pop yeah. them in. And we found, and our boarders can invite people in for a kind of sleepover type thing, you know. So that's very popular. And yeah. we have some uh, people that just come up board every week on a Tuesday night just to, to link up with their friends in the boarding house, you know. So it's it's really popular and um we're very lucky. Our, our house parents, uh, Betty and Susie, are just amazing. They've got a little young family, and they're just—it's just like a, a home away from home. Yeah, you know? it's just—it is like a family, and oh, you know, nice. they do an incredible job. And mm. 
yeah, even despite the fact they couldn't go many places with their borders, <laughs> you know, they really, <laughs> they really made it made it a really good experience for them, which is which is great. Yeah. No, wonderful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, sadly, we have to come to an end. Um, but All I just, right. <laughs> your website. I, I know, that. I know, I know. I could talk <laughs> yeah. to you for hours. Yeah. Let's do it again another time. Um, your website yeah. is uk.brooks.org. Yeah. Nice and simple. That's correct. And there's a lot of information on there. I yeah, have there to advise yeah. people to follow you on social media too. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're really lucky. You know, we, um, we've got a great team, group of staff, uh, a few months back. Our marketing uh, consultant finished and we had another one that they, they came up and said, look, we'll form this social media team. So they just mm-hmm. formed it, the four of them. And they are, they've really gone to town on that and they do a super job going a lot of extra miles to get mm. snapping images and getting wee stories and just linking, you know, and really putting it out there on our social media sites. It makes a big difference, actually. It's great. You know, there's something about, I think, the parents really appreciate it and prospective parents just to, to get a snapshot yeah. of what, what our school and what our and it's all the kids seem to be smiling which is good so yeah that's the most uh, important yeah. thing <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, well yeah. um at some point we'd love to come and actually have a look around ourselves but uh, for now oh, lovely to do <laughs> yeah you're very welcome thank you and and thank you to you graham it's been a real pleasure to talk to you yeah well thank you Sarah, for this opportunity it's been an absolute delight and i'm so impressed with your knowledge of rugby uh, that is a <laughs> <laughs> you wait till i tell everyone about that <laughs> um, Absolutely. Well done. Okay. Many thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Suffolk Pod Show. Find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or you can visit our website, podtalk.co.uk. And here's our disclaimer. The Suffolk Pod Show will not be held responsible for any omissions or errors in its podcast. The Suffolk Pod Show is produced purely for entertainment purposes. Views and opinions are that of our own or that of our guests.